What's going on, guys? Uh, just give me a second. I just reshared the link on Twitter. Get started in a minute. Eating some mango. Drinking some cold press green juice. Hope you guys are doing well. See some familiar faces joining. Give it like a, <clears throat> a minute or two. Excuse my chewing in the background. I love mango. It's a great snack. Okay, a couple people coming in. Get started in a minute. Can you guys hear me clearly? <clears throat> Just give me a thumbs up if you can hear the sound clearly. Just letting the uh, phone chill on the desk. Making sure it's charged this time, though. Last time I did a call in or two times ago, I was laying on my uh, couch outside on my deck, and I had my phone plugged in. And then I unplugged it because I figured it was good. And then at the end of the call in, it cut out. <clears throat> All right, cool. Anyway, <clears throat> what's going on? What's going on? I see some familiar faces. Uh, it is 3 p.m. New York time. So it is time when normally things will cool down. Uh, we're going into tomorrow. OPEX inequities. So as I mentioned in the stream, I don't really, I don't give a lot of merit to any flows going into OPEX. So I think that I'll be more confident in whatever trend is developed, specifically with the S&P uh, after Friday. So well, after Friday's, well, obviously after tomorrow it's closed, but uh, futures open again on Sunday, yes, Sunday evening, and then Monday cash session, just because we'll have uh, options expiry behind us, and you know options expiry going into it, you have some, you have a lot of options related flows, so whether that's hedges, hedges unwound, um, repositioning, and the likes. <clears throat> uh, all right, so let's get it started. So. First and foremost, shout out to uh, the team at Colin, David Sachs. Great team. I've obviously uh, decided to stick with them and, and continue doing this. I think it's, uh, you know, they saw what Twitter Spaces was doing and they figured that they could improve upon it. In the beginning, they were only available to iPhone users, but now we're available to everybody. Um, and you don't have to be on your phone anymore. You could listen in from the desktop and you could listen into anything that can access either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So these are all recorded. They're archived. So for any of you who missed them, feel free to uh, listen back. We've had some really good ones. Basically just open discussion. So we'll see where it takes us. I really haven't had too many questions about, honestly, and I feel like I've kind of, I've kind of steered the ship to some degree. And I know that's my responsibility to kind of steer it in some direction. And I feel like because macro has been so relevant the last couple of months that I started each one off, talk about macro, and that, that's kind of like dictated the conversations uh, from that open to stay more or less focused on macro. And I really don't focus too much on macro every day. It's kind of like I've tried to describe this before. Like, yes, I have a background trading the legacy markets. Yes, it's really important to have sort of a holistic view, especially when correlations are really really strong. But at the end of the day, what, what I'm really just trying to do is 
to strengthen a bias. And if macro conditions are accommodative, then I'm obviously going to be approaching the market a bit differently, considering you know crypto is a is a risk asset. If they're not accommodative, if macro is shaky, if the VIX is above 30, if you know equities, the S and P you know is losing significant pivots and levels on the chart, then clearly I'm going to have a different approach. But you know that's something that you identify. You can identify sort of what the feel is for the begin you know with the at the beginning of the week. Um, it's been obviously a little bit more sporadic. Mm where it's been a little bit more volatile lately where every day you're kind of just trying to pick up on what the theme for the day might be or, you know, whether or not there's strength or weakness. Uh, yesterday, equities, it was just one-sided selling the entire session. Um, really no relief at all. Just really mechanical, systematic selling. Seemed probably, you know, like it was just algo-driven. Uh, no relief at all. Overwhelming, right? Just one side, just completely overwhelming the other. So, when you see that and you see that the S&P can't even break out of like a five minute trend, well, then that's an, in, you know, that's an instance where I'm looking at that and saying, OK, I'm not trying to like front run this changing. I'm just going to wait for this to change. Right. And then I'll be a little bit more liberal with how I position myself in crypto. But I'm not watching the dollar. I'm not watching the S&P. I'm not a macro trader. Like it's really important to if you have experience it, and you're familiar with, you know, what the fed and what their role is in markets and what it means for them to be up with or against us. That's great. Um, but I'm not trying to like parse all that together every minute. Really. I'm just trying to get a feel for whether or not we're, you know, we have tailwinds or we don't, whether or not the session feels strong or it's weak. You know, yesterday we saw, or rather, you know, I saw, and I mentioned, I say we a lot as if there's like a team of us behind this phone. There is, you know, but, um, <laughs> there isn't, but there is, uh, but, um, Yesterday, as the S&P approached, you know, very significant lows, that pivot around 38, uh, it looked like BTC was anticipating or some traders, you know, obviously trading both markets were anticipating a bounce at a level where you could expect a bounce. Like it's not not typical that, yeah, you get you have a V-shaped reversal in the S&P, nothing major, but then it V's back down to the low. It's not, not really the case normally that you're going to see it just continue to puke down. That's usually going to set up for some kind of trap and you'll bounce, you know, a couple of days more. So it looked like there was positioning and anticipation of that bounce. And you saw that, you know, yesterday's session midway through uh, Bitcoin started outperforming um, and the correlation just uh, it began to dissipate somewhat decouple in the short term. The danger with that is when there has been decouplings, it's just led to ultimately the SP moving down more and Bitcoin just getting yanked down with it. So we're not looking at and I've mentioned this many times. We're not going to be, I don't think we're in a position where if the S&P continues to move down, we should expect Bitcoin just going to hold its ground. You know, if it just loses ground and we're on our way back down to 35, 36, like no doubt Bitcoin is going to be, it will have given up a significant amount of ground, right? We're not going to hang out here while the S&P, you know, nukes a couple hundred points. Um, so again, before we get started though, and I open this up, none of this is financial advice, right? Just conversations, opinions, that's it. Uh, the way that I look at the market. Um, this is a follow-up to the stream. So every Tuesday and Thursday, I do streams for an hour on YouTube. Apologies for the 720 resolution. Uh, I didn't realize when I switched from OBS to Streamlabs, I had to change that. So I'll be fixing that moving forward. But I was just focused on the low time frame this stream. Um, you know, we had a multi-day range, really clean multi-day composite. It wasn't perfectly clean because it wasn't necessarily a case of multiple days of really tight inside value, but it was a case where it was four, you know, five, six days of range within range. 
uh, it's very clear where price has been stuck. So we had a breakdown out of that structure. You know, normally you're looking for the underside of that to remain as resistance. That was around like 29.3, 29.4. Okay, so if that's not going to break down and continue from there and we reaccept back within the range, we're just looking back up at the range highs ultimately. Um, and I shared that setup yesterday. I ended up bailing on the trade early because I just don't like to... I in, in these kind of conditions, I really like pulling myself out of trades manually. I like doing that period because I'm a lower time frame trader. I don't need to stop to get hit, go all the way back to my level to know that the trade is, is you know, um, axed, right? I could just get out when flows start to look ugly, when we start to lose significant pockets of activity. And then if I need to, I'll get back in. But I don't need to wait for price to like move some arbitrary amount. Uh, you know, I have to lose 1%, 2% before I know the trade is wrong or I have to lose this level. So... The trade setup was good and it was late on in the night and, you know, it's just being a simple married man. Um, and I'm like, ah, should I be on the computer right now? Like monitoring this fucking trade? You know, I should, I probably should be spending time with my wife. <laughs> and instead of a setting to stop, I just took the profit that I made because I had averaged down into the trade. Um, and I could have just set a stop, right? And the market ended up covering ground overnight, but it is what it is. I, I'd rather monitor in these conditions. Because the time that I don't, I know it'll be like some really slippery time and I, I'll get stopped out. But you don't get stopped out for what you anticipate you're going to get stopped out for as if it was some kind of textbook setup. You know, the conditions are really thin right now. You know, you get stopped out, you're marketed out because I don't use limit stops. You'd be crazy to use them. Um, you know, market stop and then, you know, you dump into an empty book because the, the level is really obvious to everybody. Uh, so right now, back within the range. I went over the levels that I was interested in on the stream, so I, I don't want to you know, reiterate them, but ultimately looking either buying higher above 30,600 support above there or something closer back down to today's view up and low of this prior composite, which is right around like 29.6 down to 29.3. So we'll see. Um, again, correlation is back. So we're following to the beat of the drum that, you know, to the beat of equities drum. Uh, but I want to open this up. I don't want to, go on too long. I think I kind of covered everything I wanted to touch on in the beginning. Um, and again, this session is going to be shorter than the Friday session. So tomorrow we have one, but this session is just a follow-up to the stream. So be mindful of everybody's time. All right, Donna, what's up, man? What's going on, pal? Just got to unmute yourself. Hey, what's up, man? Um, so yeah, I know you mentioned you trade uh, or you're you were leaning more towards ETH just because of the algo trading on BTC and stuff like that. But I was wondering if you trade any alt, any alts, and if uh, and if you do, do you use anything other than TradeView? I know EXO has like limited options. Yeah, so I I trade alts as well, but I don't. I'm not really scattered across the board like uh, a lot of people get. Like you're either kind of focused on Bitcoin and ETH or you're, I feel like people are just focused on alts. Like people that trade alts, they think Bitcoin's a dinosaur and, you know, ETH and Bitcoin move too slow. Um, people that trade BTC and ETH, they probably do for their own reason. It's, you know, you get comfortable trading one asset, you get kind of a feel for it. Um, you get, you know, you have an understanding of liquidity and, and how price behaves normally. Uh, with alts, since I don't want to like get too scattered, I, I'm not anyone with like a fundamental approach to the market. I'm just looking at, I'm basically just filtering for things that are kind of obvious over time anyway. And that's where are, where's most of the interest in the market at any one given time. So what alts is the market favoring? You know, 
what is you know, maybe not at the tail end of narrative already and, and what has momentum still. So a lot of times it's like keeping an ear to the ground with where interest lies based on what people are talking about on social media and CT, um, you know, the current rotation, flavor of the month sort of thing. And also, you know, making sure that from a volume standpoint that there's a, a significant amount of trading taking place in that pair. And I, I filter things down by that. You don't have to, I mean, at this point, like <clears throat> that's someplace that someone might start if they didn't have like strong feed already and know like where the puck is going based on that. If you were just approaching this market and, and you wanted to know what else to trade, I would just, I would stick to like top 50, scan them by volume percent change in a day, you know, gainers, you know, best top gainers, top losers within the top 50 pairs and, and stick to the ones that are moving with a little bit of zip and, and where market, where the market is focusing most of their attention. And then it's just like, you're trading basically leveraged Bitcoin at that point. And you're trading something that has a higher beta. And the exception is with alts, they trade a little cleaner. <clears throat> now they're thinner, but they do trade cleaner from a technical standpoint because there's less algo activity that is now really you know present in BTC and, and slightly less present in ETH. But there's definitely more retail activity. Um, when the market dries up, this is gonna be yeah, you know, this is gonna get worse though, because it'll be a lot of bots and market makers. But the levels tend to be really, uh, they, they tend to be respected, technical levels, you know, horizontals. Um, and then I also use the same thing that I use with BTC. So I, I use my, my TPO charts as well. And I'm looking at, you know, a very similar, I'm, I'm doing the same thing roughly with BTC, or with alts as I am with Bitcoin. The one thing that I don't really focus on with alts is, uh, is the footprint, but I mean, I'm focused on the overall volumes that's transacted um, with Bitcoin. It's not like I, I've said this before, the footprint isn't like a make or break anyway, but it does kind of give you a little bit more confidence when you see that, oh, this is, you know, this particular setup that I already have this area that I had a setup for in mind, you know, definitely it's showing a good amount of participation and maybe a trap setup. But um, yeah, I, I just started getting into alts more in the last couple months. I have punts like on small caps, but they're like not even really worth sharing. I've shared them in the past, but if you share them, they tend to, they tend to pump too much and then they nuke because people just, they kind of FOMO in and FOMO out and it ends up destroying the chart if I talk too much about them. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Is there, I mean, is there anything you can, for TPO, is there anything other than XO or Sierra that you can, uh, that you you can access? I mean, yeah, so on TradingView now, they updated their session volume profiles to actually have value areas and you could extend them and extend points of control. And, and then what I would do, because um, with volume profiles, you're going to have a different profile based on, you might have a different profile. Like you could have ETH on, you know, you could look at ETH with f across five different exchanges and have five different volume profiles because it's obviously going to be dependent on that exchange, you know? So with, and that's why like TPOs were considered valuable over volume profiles in legacy markets it's because during a cash open, it would really, it would, um, it would lead to like really odd distributions because there'd be a lot more volume at the beginning of the day. And at certain periods that would throw off the overall uh, structure of the profile. So the TPO is good because it just shows you where price has been. You know, you can have the word I'm, I'm looking for is not anomalies, but um, aberrations. So with 
just understand if you're using TradingView's free profile, <clears throat> I would stick with the leading exchange by volume. <clears throat> like I would only chart Binance's pairs with that profile. Uh, and then there's some, t there's, I think there's some free TPO profiles too that are also on TradingView. The one thing, and there, this is the only reason that I don't really lean on them too much, is it's just they're a little slower. Like if you, and it's kind of tr trivial, but if you, uh, if you're shuffling through pairs and you're on XO, it's it's built to host a TPO. So it it you know if I click on BTC and then I click on like I'm I'm trading Ape and Solana recently, um, their profiles come up right away. Perfect. But if you're using the Trading View profiles, uh, because they're made by someone like they're custom, if you go from like B uh, BTC to like an alt, it doesn't scale properly. And then you got to fuck around with the settings and like fix it. And then if you change that chart, like in flip to another, it's like, ah, got to change it again. And sometimes it doesn't load right away. But there are free versions available. And if you're only focused on a few things, you can just set yourself up, make sure that, you know, you don't change anything at the beginning of your session. Okay. All right. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Have a nice day, man. All right. Anyone else who's hopping on? Who is hopping on? Alex, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? Can you hear me? Yes. Sorry, I just turned off my turn on my mic. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, I was just wondering if you'd seen that kind of the recent developments with um, FTX kind of getting into like stock trading and like that like liquidity kind of moving up in their stock uh, offerings, and like what do you think that's going to kind of like do for, like USDC kind of base trading for stocks and like crypto exchanges? Any thoughts uh, about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm like, I'm torn because I really would love to trade on that platform. And I had messaged Brett of FTX this morning and, and saw that new release. And I was excited because I also saw another article about, you know, I'm from New York. So we get like the ass end of the stick for everything in crypto. You know, in New York, you could only trade on Gemini and Coinbase, which is due to the bit license, which is like a monopoly. And it's it's terrible. Um, whereas like anywhere else in the United States, you could trade on Kraken, you could trade on Bitstamp, you could trade on, uh, you could trade on FTX US. I can't even trade on FTX US. So I'm excited for it. I, you know, again, I'm from New York and I just saw that they are, they're, they're like, I don't know, doing this, they're filing for some charter or right to, to allow New York residents to access that now too. So maybe in the next month or two, I, I don't know, I'm like kind of riffing on whether or not it's going to be in the near future, but, um, they, uh, I'm excited. I mean, FTX us, from my understanding, it's, it's not, I mean, the last I checked, it's not very liquid. It's, it's got limited pairs, which makes sense because it's, you know, night States version, which is going to have, it's not going to allow you all the fun stuff to have access to all the fun stuff. I don't think like they're going to take much share away from, you know, maybe years down the line from like USDC, um, there's a lot of people that still don't want to trade on KYC, you know, they don't want to trade on exchanges that they have to KYC on. And there's constantly exchanges coming out that are like, you know, you might have, you know, this has happened every year, like popular exchange will be open to everybody. It's everyone's favorite exchange. And then they'll have to KYC, you know, BitMEX, for example, Bifinex before that. Uh, and then people will have to leave and then new exchanges come out. They are able to go, you know, they're able to skate under the radar for a couple of years. 
They're not like making too much of a name for themselves. They're not like a massive exchange. They're probably like top five and beyond, but they're all tradable for, for 99% of people. They could trade on them with no issue, no liquidity issues. And then they don't have to KYC. So I think that'll always be until like it's squashed across the board. And I don't know how that, how that will happen, how they'll ultimately get to the point where every, I know the you know, United States wants that to happen. They want like there to be some kind of foreign agreement um, with exchanges and for them all to require a certain standard be upheld. But it's, it ha- I mean, they were talking about KYC like it was going to be the biggest thing this year and how exchanges are going to get cracked down on. And I talked to a bunch of people who had exchanges and, you know, I know a bunch of major exchanges that are like, ah, you know, we haven't really had any issues. Like we're not worried about in the near future. Um, so I think as long as that's the case, even though like FTX is going to be listing stocks on their on their platform in the United States, I think that people will still, I don't think it's going to change much in terms of the market. I think it's awesome for FTX. I think what FTX is trying to do is they're, they're going to try to compete with like the CME at, you know, at some level they're going to, you know, be of that size or aspire to be of that size, um, and be much bigger than they are now. And you can see they're doing all of the things you would expect them to do to sort of start going down that path. But there's obviously a lot of people that are in seats in, in, in government that um, already have relationships with the, the current systems, you know, the people that run the current systems the way they are right now. And that take, that's going to take some time. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in FTX because I hate Coinbase. That's my, I will switch. So even though, uh, you know, they might not have, you know, they're improved. They're going to improve, obviously, because I think by adding more things, they'll take market share from Coinbase. But um, my whole interest is not really what they offer. It's just I, I just want something where I could take money out and, you know, and trade without ridiculous fees that isn't Coinbase. Anything else? Because Gemini is available, but it's it's not really that liquid, honestly. Um, but Coinbase is just it's terrible. I know so many people that have been in crypto, they're OGs, and they're getting like uh, emails recently saying they have to re-verify their account, and then all of them are getting booted, and they don't get any explanation. So I don't know if they're all doing something similar. I don't do anything abnormal. You know, I pay my taxes. I claim everything. Um, so I don't know if they're doing something weird, like maybe they're using mixers and sending it to Coinbase, and then they're getting flagged. But Coinbase is definitely... Uh, there's more bad news that comes out of Coinbase than there is good news. So I'm excited for FTX for that reason alone. Yeah, I think another interesting development was uh, I saw that like SBF is quietly getting like a pretty big stake in uh, Robinhood at around the yeah. same time. They're trying to kind of deploy kind of their Web3 kind of, I mean, like they started listing a few cryptos, but you can't really send in them anywhere. They're just kind of IOUs on their exchange, right? Right. As they, as they start kind of developing that, it's interesting to see. SBF getting involved with them and kind of this happening as SBF starts listing U.S. stocks on his exchange. Yeah. It, I mean, he, you know, he has like one goal in mind and it's definitely to just like <clears throat> uh, conquer <laughs> and, yeah. and be a little, have a little bit everywhere. You know, he's putting his name on anything you could even think of that's not even remotely close to market. So yeah. he's definitely I, going about it in a very, tact, you know, strategic and tactful manner. And I think that uh, I think in five years, you know, we'll all be to some degree or another, you know, FTX is clearly going to be one of the premier products, you know, for even legacy markets. So, you know, competing with Robinhood or working with Robinhood, but. The things that like FTX isn't actually ever clearing anything, right? It's just kind of IOUs and then they're limited in how much you can withdraw, right? Yeah. So 
like, do you think in the next five years we'll see some sort of product being developed that will have like a clearing kind of aspect to it, like a decentralized kind of nature of clearing? Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I don't really know too much about that. Um, you know, CME centralized. I, I don't know if we'll see. Well, I mean, the blockchain is changing a lot of things with respect to markets. You know, one of the things that makes it superior and and it's always been superior in crypto is just like settlement, like no settlement times. Like if you're trading stocks, you know, if you're if you have a, just a regular account like TD or I don't know if it's Robinhood as, as well, but you have to deal with like you know, strict clearing times like T2, T3. Um, I don't know if that's changed in the last couple of months because I don't use I don't use any uh, like legacy brokerage accounts actively, but crypto definitely. Uh, Are you not trading legacy at all then, or just hundred percent? No, crypto? no, I haven't. I haven't actively traded legacy. Just a passive approach to legacy, really. I haven't actively done anything in legacy in a really long time. I I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about starting to trade the ES or the NQ again. That was like four or five months ago. I'd mentioned it. I think that was just because I thought that a boring bear market was coming, and I wanted to sort of have something to do just in case. But if anything, that in the past has been a sign that uh, you know maybe we're getting close to a point where things will improve. When when you start seeing people that traded legacy and they're talking about trading legacy again or forex again, you know maybe it's a a good timing sign if anything. But no, I haven't I haven't traded any of that in a long time. All right, thanks, man. You got it. Done. All right. Anyone else who's hopping on? So I went over the stream. Uh, the Bitcoin setup, actually, it, it was clean. And I was mentioning how there are times when BTC leads ETH and you can take advantage of that lead lag play. But it actually looks like ETH is losing the composite that Bitcoin was able to hold. And it's just I think it's a matter of timing being a little too late. And I don't think you see maybe that follow through that was uh, prevalent in the past. All right. What's up, Christoph? Hey, what's up, buddy? Oh, he disappeared. Leo. What's up, Leo? I'll get you on here in a sec, Christoph. Christopher, sorry. You're... Hey, what's up? Hi, hi. Um, it's my first time on this app, so yeah, pardon me if I make something wrong. I was, uh, I wasn't sure if I'm on. Um, yeah, thank you for your uh, streams. I really appreciate it. I am, I study it. Um, um, I don't, I don't get everything live. I think more. Um, um, productive for for the learning process to uh, the idea with the journal and with the Colin. Very good. Thank you very much. Um, I wanted to ask you about your process. Um, when you said in the, not the today's stream, the last stream that you, um, you always trade, uh, you don't trade legacy and you always trade market and you always choose some altcoins for the bounces, uh, depends on the liquidity. And I wanted to ask you about your process about identifying those. Uh, do you use uh, only volume and open interest, or do you have like um, some type of, of process of thinking or scanner or something? I mean, like I, I just mentioned in uh, <clears throat> one of the people that I was just talking to, I can't remember his name. You know, 
if you're new to the market, it's difficult to pick up on like what the flavor of the month is, what is popular. I, I have like a really good and I, I, you know, Twitter is, I think Twitter is really negative EV unless you filter it properly. But I have a pretty good feed where I'm, I'm following people with the, and I have them on alerts and I have their feed specifically. Um, and they usually have sort of a, an eye on the ball when it comes to alts. And I kind of generally pick up on it as well, like what alts are popular, what alts are trending in, in the groups I'm in as well. If you're, if you're on your own, like a lot of the times it's pretty obvious too. If you just scan, you know, top, top 50, as I mentioned, looking for, you know, what has been consistently trading on high volume, um, what has seen is a significant increase in open interest. You could create your own sort of scanners and filters for these things. I definitely have sort of the luxury of nuance that I've been doing this for a long time and in crypto long enough to where I kind of just pick up on the rotations a little bit more naturally. You know, I'm able to distinguish probably a little bit more easier than someone who's new, like what is noise and, and what is really gaining traction in terms of narrative and, and momentum. Um, so with all specifically, you know, I, at this point, there's not really, it's probably a better describe how I act right now because there's really no narrative right now. There's really no real momentum. So the alts that I'm trading right now are really just beta to BTC. So I, first, the first thing I want to identify is, again, it has to be a pair that's liquid to begin with. Like I don't really care about really small caps. So it's usually going to be one of the more popular pairs that was, or rather one of the pairs anyway, that was popular from the last cycle. So the leaders like Solana, um, AVAX, Lunar, rest in peace. Um, Near even had a little bit of a outperformance this morning before beginning to, to fall back to BTC. So I'm really just focused on what was popular for the entire cycle because it is where, you know, the, the DeFi blue chips, it is where most of the volume will, would probably accrue because now, you know, the market is kind of losing, you know, things that really didn't deserve market share are going to lose market share. And the things that were popular projects and maybe had some long-term promise, they'll still maintain a significant amount of market share and interest. Uh, and I'm only going to be trading alts if they're outperforming BTC. So, you know, you could look at either, a, you know, a scanner initially based on volume and open interest, you know, see where the money is going. And then you want to see that they're actually against BTC outperforming Bitcoin. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense to trade them over Bitcoin. Um, so I use that chart that I shared from time to time. I share it on Twitter. It's It has basically all the alt. It has all the alts that I would pick from. And if we're coming off of a significant low or through a significant level with Bitcoin, um, I will set that chart to where that level was. And I'll be able to see right away sort of who is performing the strongest off of that low or who is performing the worst off of a high. Uh, and then it's going to be just me really just applying sort of the same approach that I would apply to BTC to those alts as well. And, you know, it sounds kind of complicated, but for the last couple of months, it has it has been basically the same stuff. It's been like Solana, Ape, GMT, um, Near, FDM. Exactly. And, and it's, it's not like it's changing much, honestly. So the, it, trading the last couple of days, I was trading um, GMT, Ape, and Solana, right? Because these still have a little bit of, of still have a little bit of kick to them. You know, there's money behind them. The open interest is there. Um, you know, I don't want to be riding anything that's accumulating too many positions and, and you're seeing like, oh, funding is starting to get excessively positive here. You know, the market is a little bit long in the tooth at this point. 
you know, maybe at that point, it's a good short setup, you know, depending on where we are, and where Bitcoin sits. But it's, it's basically what has been popular for the last couple of months. That's what it's coming down to. It's not like uh, it's really changing on the day to day. Exactly. Um, I am. I was uh, following you. Um, like I have the notification on, but uh, weirdly, not all of the tweets comes. But some, uh, some time to time, you boast about the alts you are trading, and I wanted to, just to say uh, you mean the last time near, and then Abe and GMT and and KNC. Um, yeah, I think you are a good Twitter profile source for for it. Uh, you, um, I totally got your answer. I am studying your your tweets uh, and like learning from the way you think not the the traits itself uh, it definitely helped thank you oh thank you i definitely would say like for anyone who's listening <clears throat> when it comes to following me for alts i'm i'm like not even close to being like anywhere near the top for alts like i am so far out of the alt sphere uh there's so many other people that have their finger on the ball you know they have their what's the best saying they have their finger to the pulse when it comes to alts i'm lucky enough to know who they are and 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 i'm also lucky enough to be able to pick up i mean it's not that hard to figure out what has been trending but i am not like someone who will discover alts ever yeah you'll never see me discovering a new alt or finding the next major trend i usually ride momentum after it's already picked up so just to just to uh, add a disclaimer, like if you're following, you mean you mean like uh, on the fundamental side and like yeah the early yeah stages, you are more like of uh, uh, you find the alts that that have now good liquidity, good to trade for scalpers. Yes, exactly, exactly. Thanks for calling in, Leo. Um, thank you, thank you uh, very much again. And yeah, the market seems subscribe on the stream and um, yeah I, I am not very good with smaller time frame indicators like the CVD but like it seems like the CVD of uh, spot is rising and, and the price is deepening since the stream uh, like the last um, 10 to 15 minutes um, is there like a, a, a high probability divergence there with the, with the CVD and the price right now on smaller time frame yeah there definitely is a really obvious divergence <clears throat> and um you know when this happened the other day there was a significant person that was i don't know if it was one person but it was clearly a sign that someone was was offering price down that entire time because price was moving lower yet cvd was on the low time frames was continuing to move up and most of the cvd honestly looks like it you know the the the, the sharpest increase seems to come from uh, Coinbase. So FTX CVD is actually uh, is actually relative is following price for the most part, like all the way up into the high. The, the first high we made, we have like a little slightly lower high right now on the low time frames. Um, up into this local high of around thirty thousand five hundred, FTX actually started selling off right there. Whereas like Binance, for example, continued up. Coinbase continued up. Um, and even with those continuing up and it looks like buying a couple thousand, you know, a couple thousand BTC or more than a couple, cause that means 2000, uh, prices had a lot of trouble. So it's, it's possible that, you know, what we're seeing is a significant amount of absorption up here. And if anything, if, if I was just looking at CBD and just looking at what has happened, uh, recently on the footprint during my stream, I was talking about how it looked like buyers were getting aggressive and, and suddenly not being as rewarded as they were lower. You know, this is an area at these highs where you would expect 
um, resistance to uh, do its thing because it, we're back at the range high. So, you know, buying into resistance is never a good idea. And as you can see, we had quite a significant amount of that and um, price is not continuing to advance up. So we could be looking at a larger pullback right now. And, and that is something that is uh, that's keen of you to, to identify. Um, thank you. Although Coinbase today had like seven, I don't, I don't know if it's relevant to the trading, but it's uh, they had like more than seven or eight thousand BTC received to their wallet. So I don't know if it's relevant, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, the amount of Bitcoin that was sold was um, from that low. Well, the amount of Bitcoin that was sold from the recent high was around a thousand bitcoin so well no it was yeah was that no yeah around a thousand bitcoin um i mean it looks like that much was bought so you could assume that much was sold passively but yeah good eye because price is definitely having trouble all right thanks for calling in leo i'm gonna let uh christopher get on Hey, what's up, buddy? How's it going? Uh, all good. Hope you're good as well. Likewise, likewise. Uh, tricky day in the market, at least for me today. But I had a question regarding possible setup for alts. I know it's not your primary thing, but I was looking at uh, KNC and MANA. I don't know if you're... I'm sure you're familiar with MANA, but not KNC maybe. But they've been running up quite nicely these last few days. So I was thinking to maybe set up some shorts for them and starting to accumulate positions since uh, compared to some others, they had quite a long way to go to the recent lows. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's um, you and I share the exact same plan and positioning because mana was the first thing that I shorted off of the lows. Ah. So... <laughs> so this is relevant to someone just asking about uh, how I filter for alts. And one of the things that I do off of a low is pull up that chart with all of the other, like all of the charts on top of one, that relative mm. performance graph. And MANA was like one of the most significant bounces at that yeah. turn. So my opinion was, well, we're not changing trend right here. So this is definitely a bounce that is, you know, this kind of, this kind of significant move is one that you want to fade instead of get behind and long. Never, uh, not someone to fade the first move. So as we continue to push up into that 120, sort of 125 level, I started shorting. So I don't even think I mentioned that. I, I've been trading Ape, GMT, Solana, but I haven't messed with my mana position at all. And I, I still think that short mana is, is a good idea. Um, mm. I, I would say that <clears throat> this is like, I would get rid of the position if we started holding 140. Um mm because that prior low is acting as resistance right now. I would expect though, if this is going to roll over, that it's probably going to make a, a second move up to like 135, 132 region. And maybe we see like a slightly lower high there before it continues to roll down. But I, I'm, so this is actually really important to talk about because uh, you could look, I mentioned this during a stream. I mentioned it on Twitter as well. You could probably confidently look at 99% of alts right now and say, over the next couple months, these are, they're going to go, they're going to make a new low. So what, you know, what that means is over the next couple months, they could base out. 
right? We could be sideways a couple months from now. Some of them could be in uptrends, but really confident that they all return back to this original low because they all had like a, a very expected mean reverting bounce. So very significant moves down, you know, what you would expect a significant move back in the opposite direction. And it's not because it's strong. It's because you have late shorts covering, you have some shorts taking profit, and then you just have very thin conditions, right? So you could be really, you could be correct, you know, about your assumption about the fact that they will all return, not all of them, but that most of them will return back to their low. So you go through your charts and you're like, okay, there's a bunch of alts. They're all well off their low. Like these are good shorts. Like they're, you know, I'm really certain these are all going to go back down or a significant amount of them. Having just the direction correct is not enough right now, right? You need to be able to define a position, right? Yeah. Safely. And I think the last part is most important because all shorting alts is, you know, it, it's dangerous to begin with because they move a lot, right? You could get outside yeah. really fast. But right now, because we have come so far off the highs and the fact that things are so thin, there's a ton of jump risk across the board. So jump risk means gap risk you know, gap risk, jump risk. It's, it's um, a trad fight. It's a term usually here if you're trading, like if you're trading stocks. Um, and it's usually like, you know, price jumping after hours. But if you're trading alts right now, we're getting to the point where we're going to be, you know, even if they make, you know, consistently make new lows, we're going to be going to that point where they bounce you know, 50, 100%, 150% of the day. You know, those crazy bounces on the way down that last for like a day and then completely engulf. But you could get, you know, absolutely blown the fuck out trying to short that. You know, you could, in normal conditions, you could probably get away with just pretty, you know, when, when market structure changes with BTC and, and we're clearly, you know, on our way down, uh, to it, you know, we're between a, a very obvious level and on our way to the next. You could get away with putting on shorts across the board with alts as long as you have, you know, enough margin to to protect the position. And you're not normally thinking like, oh, you know, at worst maybe price move a couple percent against you. But if price moves two hundred percent, you know, in a matter of minutes or hundred percent in a matter of minutes, it's so easy to liquidate yourself, right? Mm. Um, and, and you have to make sure you have like five, ten x margin for those positions. So I'm not, you know, aside from just mana and really monitoring this and having really a, a tight invalidation, um, at, this, at these levels, I would be really careful shorting alts because we are, I mean, we're getting to a point where the market is really, really, uh, you know, sentiment is really in the gutter, right? And it could stay like this for a while, but, you know, one might argue that we're closer to the bottom than we are to the top, right? I mean, it's, I, think, I think it's pretty easy to assume that we're closer to some type of bottom. Um, so shorting alts well off now, I mean, for example, like mon mana is 80% off the highs right now. Um, it, it ended up hitting 90% off the highs and not for nothing. It, it, this is the really, this is honestly the really dangerous area to short alts. Now I feel pretty confident with mana and it's not like I'm shorting alts across the board, but it is really dangerous right now to short alts when like for Adam, for example, 80% off the highs. Um, Ape, for example, 71% off the high. Like all of these are in there. They've been already pretty crushed. Now they continue to move down for some time, but the risk to reward there and, and you know, the, where the market is in general is uh, it's closing that opportunity window. I mean, it's still open. Like you can still short them, but it's making it really dangerous too. So 
Yeah, I got stopped out on uh, my second mana trade. I took profit quickly on the first one just to get some win, but then I got stopped out because Bitcoin and Spy made a big move today. So you think this is also because like we've run down so much, so it's people don't feel like it has any more room to go down. So then we see these big rallies. It seems like it's <laughs> a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say scary, but you have to be very picky with your spots where you enter the shorts, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%, because with alt, they are so retail driven. So that's why alt, like TA on alts works so well. Because really, it's most of the people you're trading against are using the same methods. So this is why, like, when, when alts, even if alts are down 90% and they're going to die forever, every time that they get back down to the lowest level on the chart, you know, if you're looking at the weekly chart or the, or the daily chart, every time they get back to where they began. So if we're looking at like, um, uh, let's say like GMT. So GMT, I'm looking at Binance's chart. The, the lowest level on the chart is like one cent, right? Um, mm. Or Ape is probably good. The lowest level I have on, on Ape is 96 cents. Like if it gets down there, yeah, that's disgusting. But it, it's going it, to like that. Everyone is looking at that level, right? Everyone is thinking this is the area where I'm going to take profit on my short, or this is the area where, you know, it's, it's more than likely going to bounce. So these levels that are, that stand out, they're just self-fulfilling. So the lower you go on the chart, and this is also like, not to get like too far out there, but it, this is something that also messes with people in a negative way. The, the idea we're all looking at a trading view screen that it creates this, this, false forced perspective because as the mark as the chart moves down most of us have our settings relatively the same i'm sure unless you change your margins a lot but as the chart moves lower and lower to the only area it's ever opened up on the chart like the beginning uh it looks like it's at a low because it's literally at the low portion of the box on your screen so there's a lot of stuff that you can imagine just from a psychological standpoint that that play into people taking profit and also people buying so yeah, it definitely is like at this point, alts are for many reasons, some obvious, some less obvious, some a little bit, you know, a little woo woo, a little out there, um, way less attractive to short. So yeah, and uh, maybe one last question. How did you deal with like big losses in the beginning of your career? Did you take some days off or did you, yeah. Yeah, did you so do? in the beginning of my trading, yeah, every, you know, everyone, everyone has taken big losses. Like, and, and you could always assume like one of the sayings is like your worst day is ahead of you. Hopefully it isn't, but for the most part, your, your worst day is it's, it's good to operate under the assumption that your worst day is ahead of you. If anything, if that keeps you, you know, hopefully that's something that keeps you safer or, you know, keeps you from, you know, taking too much risk or gambling too much or, you know, going for whenever it's, you know, not necessarily a good, a good situation to go for it. Um, yeah, I've, I've had some very significant losses in the past. Uh, I've had some losses that were due to poor decisions. I've had losses that were due to complete accidents, like not making sure that orders were taken off. Those are the worst. Um, I've had some pretty bad losses that were due to errors on the uh, from the software side, like talking six-figure losses. Um, so all of these have, they've with all of them, I've quit. So I quit. So 
every big loss I've had in the past, I immediately, I, that was it. I was done for the day. I'd probably take a day or two off because at that point, the, beyond a certain level, and I know what my level is and you'll know what you should know what your level is. You should have a point where you're forced off of the computer. So from a prop background, you know, trading prop, someone is going around and making sure that you are, for one, you have a risk manager and not necessarily going around, but you're, you're going to get that tap on the shoulder at some point, whether it's manually from somebody or your actual program shutting down because you have, let's say, a cap limit for the day, you know, amount yep. of money you could lose for the day. And that'll, that, that'll fluctuate. So if you're performing well, the amount of risk you could take a day will go up, right? The amount of losses you can incur a day will go up with that as well. If you're performing poorly, they're going to scale you down. I think most people would be better applying that to their own trading. So for me, now what that means, because I haven't taken any big losses in a really long time, is I have a dollar amount that I'm willing to lose every day. And I, if I hit that in five trades, if I hit that in 10 trades, if I hit that in one trade, I'm done. Um, if I hit that one trade, it means that I fucked up. You know, it, it could mean that, you know, maybe the market just took, maybe the market just blew through me, right? And, and it could mean a bunch of things. If I took it and I lost that over the course of, you know, 10 trades, well, I'm not doing well, period. Regardless of me losing that, you know, specific amount of money or whether or not I'm taking that amount of losses, I have an idea of how much money I'm willing to lose and how many losses I also should have. So this, go, this honestly, that part goes back to why you should journal your trading. Because I know, me specifically, with my win rate and how I perform across the board pretty generally, how many losses I should even have in a session. Like if I'm, if I'm trading and I take two, three, four losses in a row, that's, that's normal. And for me, what those mean, those don't mean like me getting stopped out. Those mean me scratching myself out of position, market going against me and me cutting it, right? It involves me losing money, but it means like, oh, this is you know, four times at this, you know, maybe, maybe even on one setup where I was wrong. Um, if I'm over, like, if I'm over like six or seven, well, like what the fuck is going on? You know, this is at some point my, my average, you know, my, the law of large numbers should eventually show evidence. Like I should eventually be able to find a win if I'm taking setups that are reasonable and that are normally, you know, I expect to return a certain amount or to perform a certain way. So for me, it's a bit of both. Um, I think that if you, you know, one, you're going to have big losses no matter what. So you just understand that's going to happen. And if you're new, your worst loss is probably in your future still. Um, two, hopefully after you have your worst loss or a terrible loss, you make some real adjustments, right? Yes. And you make sure that you never put yourself in that position again. Everyone who trades, and in Silico said this too, everyone who trades, after a couple months of trading, like, you know the things that you do that are wrong. Okay. What separates you is if you continue to allow yourself to make those decisions and become a victim to your own, you know, lack of discipline. But otherwise, like if I ask someone like, hey, what do you continue to like? First of all, it involves hopefully that they record, right, that they kind of take notes or mentally or write them down. But people will probably say like, oh, yeah, you know what I always do? I always buy the breakout before it actually breaks out. And I am anticipating a breakout trying to get in early and then price reverses on me. It's like, well, OK. You know, you do this all the time. This is why you are fucking up. And the times where you wait, it works out well. So stop doing that. Most people just can't stop doing the thing that they continue to do, right? Yeah. So, which is why a lot of trading comes down to discipline. But that's not a lot. I mean, that's a good portion of it. I don't want to be one of those people that sits here and says, like, all trading is about psychology because that's bullshit. It's about edge, too. I mean, a lot of it's about edge. But um, 
for me now, the most important thing is I just, I don't go past my loss limit. I haven't really, I haven't hit my loss limit frequently uh, in the last year. Like I've hit it a couple times where I'm like, ah, fuck this. Like something's not adding up today. I'm just, I got to go outside and I'm going to spend the rest of the day outside. I'm going to, you know, go to the gym, but I'm not, I'm not trading for the rest of the day. Um, and I think that's important. You need like a hard reset. I know I'm going on about this, but the last thing I'll say is there's another, the, the opposite case is like you're doing really well. And some people will say when you're doing really well, you should continue to bet more and trade harder. And that's true. Yes and no. If you're doing really well because a certain mechanical setup is taking place over and over again, then yeah, continue to trade it, continue to milk it for everything. But if you just happen to hit like what is kind of an anomalistic large trade, meaning like let's say you you were expecting, you know, 5% and then you caught on a squeeze and it was a banger and you made, you know, 20% and you just, you know, had a huge return on your account. You're feeling like you're on top of the world. Holy shit. Haven't had a trade like this in a couple months. You should probably take it back a notch also, right? Because usually that's where, in my experience, I can make the most mistakes because you kind of feel like you're a genius for a second. And the truth is, Every day you have to approach the market and kind of every trade, you have to be resetting yourself and saying like, oh, no, I'm still at square one. I haven't figured this out. I'm just lucky that something's working right now. Yeah, that's that's where I took the biggest losses. Like I did really good for maybe one or two weeks and then I got sloppy and I didn't have a, a too wide stop loss or something else. And then I fuck up a bit. And yeah, then I have to do it all over again. But yeah, that's uh, very... <sighs> Uh, stressful, but yeah, you just have to go through it, I suppose. So, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You got it, man. Allcoin Jedi. And then Alex, and then I'm going to wrap it up. We're almost on an hour. Hey, what's going on, man? Not much. I think um, my original point when I called in was really uh, what that last caller said about, you know, it kind of cued the whole jump risk. <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. Good uh, thing for people to be able to un- understand that. And uh, I guess um, yeah, you covered that pretty well, so I'm not really going to go into detail. But I want to say when people, are, you know, there's a lot of alt talk. Normally, you don't go too much into alts on these calls. So um, just I, I want to let everybody know it's like try not to widen your lens too much when looking at alts. Um, it could get dangerous. I mean, you got to kind of trade what's in front of you a little, you know, instead of, you know, Bitcoin, it's a little easier to go back and look at, you know, past price action, you know, it's, it's really one of those things where, you know, you just got to be careful, especially in one of these bear markets Um, and people that are, you know, trading intraday, you know, keep it, keep it small, take those small wins. Um, Don't try to stretch it too far. because then it ends up getting more risky. Now, I'm not saying like uh, short scalps can always turn into something bigger. Long scalps can always turn into something bigger. But make sure, I, I think it's more important in these times to have like a more like a narrow short-term game plan instead of like swinging for the fences. Oh, yeah. Uh, to- yeah, I, I mean, uh, sorry to cut you off. I was going to say that's like <clears throat> sticking to being mechanical is really important because at any, any trade, if you if you start to like let it, let it get to your head. You could start thinking like in a, you know, let's say it's like a trade like this morning when we're 
for my setup, we're back inside of a range and I'm thinking, okay, I know like two points where I clearly want to be out. You know, when it starts looking good and it's strong in the middle of that, it's easy to start thinking like, well, I'm in position now. What if this is the one that breaks up to 35? Like, do I want to not be in this? Like, ah, whatever. Let me just put the stop on. And then the trade, you give up the entire trade because you didn't take profit. You know, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. it's like what you have to do is you have to just approach it sort of like, and I, I say baseball analogies all the time, but base hits, like base hits, base hits, add them up. You know, don't try to uh, approach everyone and, and expect a home run and, and try to be, you know, relatively mechanical. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, great and, for, and for people that don't really get into futures trading, they're a little bit more spot motivated. Just make sure you guys set and stops on your spot positions as well, especially <laughs> in these times. Um, past couple of weeks, I've talked to some people who have just gotten completely wrecked and now are completely underwater off spot positions when they could have easily avoided that. Um, it just makes no sense really not, <laughs> not to do that. Um, treat it the same way, protect yourself. And, um, that's, uh, yeah, pretty much, uh, all I got for that. <laughs> so. Well, that's true, man. You know, what happens is like in the bull market, you get away with like letting positions get against you because you're like, ah, these are okay. So if I don't have a stop, it's going to, it'll get back to my entry at some point. I'm just going to have to kind of forget about this one for a little bit. And you get away with that because, the market is just constantly recovering and making new highs, but you have to really protect yourself right now. And that's like shortening my time horizons. That's what I do. Um, you know, being way more cynical helps, but, uh, yeah, great points, man. Thank you. Yep. And, uh, one last thing, I mean, it doesn't affect all the, cause you have a lot of altcoins coins that are still on DEXs and not really on centralized exchanges. I mean, and, Yes, they can be affected, uh, but sometimes those aren't really affected as bad as what's sitting on centralized exchanges. So if people are going for those low, lower caps, trying to find those gems, just, I mean, it can still be affected, but, you know, um, not necessarily as bad as you would see, like on Coinbase and, you know, all these big, you know. Yeah, I, so I noticed that. Um, I noticed that, and then I was like, I don't get involved in a lot of small caps because one, they're pretty liquid. They do have that particular characteristic sometimes where there's no like crazy cross market correlation, like on a lot of uh, centralized exchanges where everything is kind of moving um, relatively lockstep. You know, uh, if Bitcoin is going down by proxy, all you know, Bitcoin is moving down, you know, violently by proxy, a lot of alts are going to move down as well. So things that are on, you know, uh, if you're trading on Uniswap or trading on DEXs, I think that they don't move because there's not the same sort of reflexive cross-market correlation because people can't literally get in and out of positions as fast as they can on sexes. Um, as an interesting way to say it, on sexes, on centralized exchanges. <laughs> but what I found is, like, that is probably something that's comforting if you're already positioned well in, uh, you know, in a small cap. And it's comforting because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm positioned well. Like, if I'm well above my entry, that's fine. But the danger is, like, if you're trading them actively and then you apply that reasoning, because the difference is when they do move, they catch up. They, there is that jump risk to the downside, right? So absolutely, all it takes – and the thing is, it's all it takes is one person to say, ah, fuck it, I'm out. And then they pull, you know, a significant portion of the liquidity with them. And you don't have a choice at that, you know, after the fact, it's like, oh, you know, I could have got out here, but it's like, no, you couldn't. The can, you know, that price, 
that that chart was destroyed with one person and two people exiting. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I see that it is something, you know, it's a phenomenon that does exist where they are sort of distanced to some degree because they don't share platforms. Uh, and platforms are what kind of enforce correlations to some degree to begin with. There's a, there is a theory that crypto is a largely in part or was largely in part uncorrelated to legacy because you can't get in and out of assets on, you know, from crypto to legacy assets the same way on a legacy platform. You could be like enforcing correlations, for example, by saying, oh, I'm getting out of stocks. I'm going to get right into gold. Uh, and you could do that on the same platform, right? So you kind of create and reinforce the relationships between pairs, whereas because crypto is separated, those relationships are broken down. Well, yeah, that occurs also with uh, decentralized exchanges. And you see the same thing happening with NFTs, where it's like, oh, NFTs are a good store of value because when the market nukes, like they don't nuke as much. Well, yeah, they don't, but then they also become impossible to sell because they're just liquidities. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, the painting that you got. Yeah, I just think about NFTs now. And I'm so happy I didn't get too crazy into them because everything that goes up, like, I don't give a shit what it is. Like, there's nothing that's new that's being created that's only going to continue to move up over time. Everything corrects. And I think the ugliest correction is going to be the way the NFTs correct because people are going to really have to deal with the fact that they actually did buy, like, what someone drew on, you know, uh, Apple Illustrator in 10 minutes, they bought it for like, you know, hundreds of ETH. Whereas like, <laughs> we could kind of lie, lie to ourselves a little bit more when you talk about like DeFi and, and how this is going to transform finance and you generate a yield from it. So it all kind of seems like it is something semi-material. But at the end of the day with NFTs, you're like, oh, I bought, what a fucking idiot. I just bought this picture that was created by, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say too much because, you know, there are plenty of NFTs and I'm sure we'll do well, but... Yeah, absolutely agree. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's tough, but no, no, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I get. Uh, appreciate the chat. Good talking and, to you, man. Uh, talk later. All right. Does anyone else want to hop in? I'm gonna end it. If not, give it a minute or two. Usually, a little bit of a lag. So yeah, I started a um, just a filler for some filler. I started a new Coin Market Man account. Um, to start a new fresh equity curve. I used to publish my equity curve quite frequently. And without uh, saying specifically for obvious reasons, um, there's one, I mean, you can figure it out really quickly if you just do a little bit of research. Um, but uh, <clears throat> there's one exchange that if you're trading um, and using CoinMarketMan through, you can't publish your, this is the last way it was left off and I don't think it's changed you couldn't publish your page. So Coin Market Man is a trade. So first of all, Coin Market Man, it's a trading journal. Um, I used to use Edgewonk. Um, so I have a physical journal also. I've always used Excel. So every day, every trading session for, I don't even know how long now, I have always just written at the end of the day, like what happened during the session, what stood out, um, any kind of anomalies, how I felt, I try to keep it brief. Uh, and then sometimes I realize I kept it too brief because I go back and I'm like, I couldn't really glean too much from that. Like you can see where you get lazy with keeping your own journal. But um, automated journaling, right, through API is really valuable. For example, on CoinMarketMan, you could not only see, you know, your equity curve, your win rate, your, you know, average return, average trade time. You also get a more specific nuanced breakdown about, you know, how your performance what your performance is over the course of the week. And that's valuable, right? What if you knew that every 
you know, Thursday, you just completely shit the bed. All right. So one way to figure, you know, fix that would be to get not trade on Thursdays, right? It's like, you don't want to get eaten by a shark. You guarantee you're not getting eaten by a shark if you don't swim in the water. So you have a really shitty Thursday consistently, stop trading on Thursday. The idea is that you get, you know, a little bit more of an atomized breakdown by using a journal like CoinMarketMan. So there is one, you know, CoinMarketMan is great because you could see it, but then you could also publish it. And we know that that's important on crypto Twitter because everyone's, you know, skeptical of everybody else. So CoinMarketMan allows you to basically share your page. I could share my page. You could click on it. Uh, this still with some people, it doesn't work because they're just forever. Just they'll be like, oh, you fucking fake the API. It's like, whatever, dude, I don't I don't give a shit about you. But you could share your page with somebody so they could keep up with your performance. That's pretty cool, right? Whatever. Um, so I used to screenshot it because there is one exchange that they don't allow you to share. And it's because of this way. I think the way that this exchange, they have a great system with margin, but it probably fucks with everything in terms of like registering positions and sharing them. I don't know, whatever. Um, so I created a new one on a different exchange and I'm going to work this equity curve up and uh, I'm going to share it so that it's public and it'd be fun. Like, you know, I've, I've always had, my equity curve has always been up and to the right, you know, pretty boring handicap ramp up, probably a little bit more than a handicap ramp up, like 45, 40 degree angle. Uh, when you trade long enough, you'll start realizing when you have a nice equity curve that you want to protect it because you think it, 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 uh, let's say it, um, it makes it real, right? It makes it semi-tangible, your performance. It, it's not like the last trade or the trade before. You actually see, okay, I put in work for the last two, three years and my performance looks this way. And, you know, returns are, over time, they're not arithmetic, they're geometric. So if you fuck that up and you have, draw your account down 50%, you see what that looks like. Um, so I always share this. And, and what you realize is that you end up over time I mean, maybe not everybody will, but I think you are better off recording it anyway, which ultimately will lead you to this. You end up trading your equity curve. Like you want to preserve it and protect it. That might sound silly, but I think anyone who, who has one realizes what I'm talking about. When you have a bad when you have a bad run, it'll make you second guess what you're doing, right? And maybe take that day off because you'll see, Ugh, like it looked real good and now it looks like shit, you know? Um, and then also further sort of reaffirming the positive. Um, it's nice to see like when you have a setback, which you will, and then see that you've recovered it. And I think that's like one thing that you have. Oh, I, I know I definitely have it from trading now for, I, I think I said 15 years the other day, but it might be 14 now, whatever. I'm just, I don't say my age, but I'm, I'm, I'm one of the older CT people put it this way. I'm older than Gaines, right? Um, but you, from trading for a really long time, one thing that I think that you only get obviously from experience sounds a little redundant or tautological is uh, you see the times when you're able to come back and that makes you really confident in what you can handle moving forward. And with a, with an equity curve, it's much more obvious, right? Cause you see like, Oh, that was a period of my life where I, you know, I just fucking sucked. And then look now I've I'm, now that looks like nothing, you know, it's all the way back there. And I thought it was, you know, when it was zoomed in, it was a big deal. It was a big drawdown, but now it's just a, you know, it's a bump in the road. So anyway, I don't think anyone else wanted to call. Oh, Lilo, you back? Leo, I'll get you in here and then we'll wrap it up. What's up, bud? Hey, thanks, man, again. Um, I, uh, you, you got um, a lot of uh, valuable tips that I didn't got to catch and, and write down, but um um, the last part with the other guy uh, who was here, 
about uh, bias in the market, I got a little bit confused. Um, because as you said, altcoins could run another 80% down and it's best to short alts um, than Bitcoin itself because of the the bear market uh, thing that alts bleed more. But, um, and this is this is also my bias now for the coming like months, like more, oh, more short, more shorts than longs and shorting more uh, altcoins than Bitcoin. But then you wait, said, wait, wait, Leo, let me, uh, let me course correct you really quick. And I don't want to interrupt you, but I think it's important because that's actually not what I, if that was communicated or misunderstood, let me just clarify. Cause that, I don't want you to leave here thinking like, let me just go short across the board and take the summer off. I think it's the exact, I think it's the opposite actually. So, while I know that also can continue down, I know that there are a lot of reasons why they can also bounce really hard. And while normally in, in thicker conditions after the market hasn't taken a crap across the board, I can place the short on an alt and never have to worry about it really doing much damage to any of my accounts. Um, I never, I, I, you know, I, I'll place, I always will place a tail risk stop if I'm shorting at all. But right now there is jump risk which is because the markets are much thinner. So we're approaching a point where, yes, alt, you can be correct with the direction, but you cannot put a trade on. So there's plenty of times when you're in markets where you'll, you'll be met with this dilemma. You'll, you'll realize that you can comfortably say where the market's going to be with high confidence, but still not be able to put on a reasonably definable position because you cannot really safely define your risk. And I think that's where alts are right now, because in normal conditions, maybe a tail risk move, like a move that's in the tails, so fat tailed move, something that's unexpected. Um, maybe this would lead to a 10% move out of nowhere, a 20% move out of nowhere. That's fine, right? I have a tail risk stop on. So I call them a tail risk stop. And it's because it's a stop that's not necessarily there. I, I'll nine times out of 10, I'm pulling myself out of position manually. This stop is literally there in case I go to P and the market rips up in the time I'm out there. So I keep it outside of an arm's distance so that it doesn't get stopped due to noise. But I do have it there so it doesn't allow me to get blown up. So I call it tail risk stop. Um, some people, so with alts, I'd be comfortable shorting alts if there was more of an options market and I could just buy calls and I would just pay the premium to, to hedge against upside. But it's a, it's a little bit more complicated. I don't want to um, jazz things up too much. But with alts, that is kind of what the norm would be. Okay, so out of left field, maybe it pumps this much. Okay, that would suck, but at least I'd be safe. Right now, we're approaching a, a point where if you've been here for multiple cycles, you know that we're going to get to a point where the market rips up out of nowhere 50%, 100%. Sometimes two, th there'll be a couple pairs during this bear market that put in 300% days. That could be wrong, but I'm just going based on one, the likelihood of that happening because of where we are in the cycle. Two, the conditions that really arise that help that arise, which is just a really a lack of liquidity. And that's it. It does. It's not like much gets traded between the market moving from point A to point B. It's just that nothing was there. Um, so that jump risk is really dangerous because I might have that tail risk stop on and then it gets triggered, but I'm dumping my position into nothing. Uh, and then nothing is another... The next thing in between nothing or the position and the next area of any kind of counterparty might be 50% higher. Um, so just to reiterate, I, I don't think that alts are safe, really safe to short right now. I think that if anything, what you have to do 
as if you're newer, you have to understand, you have to kind of be reflexively contrarian to your own thinking. Um, and I don't really like going down too far down these lines with talking about trading because I'm a pretty mechanical sort of just show me where the positioning is and that's it. Don't care what's going on. Um, but when you're newer, the and, and this is, I don't want to sound like an insult, but when you're newer, a lot of the things you're going to come to conclusions on are going to be wrong. So you kind of have to take your immediate belief and second guess it three or four times. And the fact that, you know, well off of the highs that you, that it feels like you, you know, market is definitely going to move lower. Right. And you're thinking, well, the proof is in the pudding already. The market's already took a shit. So I'm, you know, it's going to continue to move lower. Well, the fact is we're looking at the past already. Right. So it is very dangerous to short alts right now. I think if you could get anything from this, it's that aside from a mana short, and if we break up with Solana like 67 and above, I'm not really interested in shorting alts. Um, I think that those safer trades are well behind us. And I might be right, and I think I am, about most alts continuing to make new lows. But I don't think that it's, I don't think it's the, if, I, if, if you only have so much bandwidth to be able to divvy out to where you want to spend your energy and how you want to place trades, I just kind of writing that off right now. I'm like, okay, you know, I might be, I might be on the on point with what I think in terms of direction, but I'm I don't think I want to put any energy towards that because it's it's pretty dangerous to to mess with that at this point. Does that make sense? Because I really want to communicate that before you go and 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 kind of indiscriminately play shorts that I think could be right, but unfortunately I think the market can do a lot of dangerous things in between them being right um, and now. It totally made sense, uh, and then you had a sentence. It, it 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 was very well put. I forgot, but my English is not so good. Uh, you have to be uh, something to your own thinking. What was the the, the expression? Um, sort of reflexively contrarian. Reflexively contrary. Yeah, it's like uh, the 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 summary of what you said. If correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the 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 bias is because of the bear market bearish on alts more than bitcoin but the run-ups are very uh the probability of it it's very high because of the thin liquidity so this could get you wrecked absolutely okay so i got it uh right uh thank you very much it's my first time on the app and uh, hearing you live beside the stream and yeah i appreciate you well thanks for calling in leo and, and your <clears throat> your english was uh was perfect so no issues there. Um, and I, I only like to say that because I get a lot of people calling in. I mean, I mean, I say that because it was true. So don't think that I'm not being genuine. Thank you. Genuine. But um, I, uh, I say that because sometimes when I, from doing streams and talking on this and talking a lot to yourself, uh, sometimes I hear things that come out of my mouth and I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but, I, um, I totally right. get it. I am a language teacher. Uh, I speak three languages, so it uh, gets mixed up in my head sometimes. So this is why I say, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. I think that was a pretty good session. We're just over an hour. Um, I host another call-in tomorrow, um, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And just to be completely transparent, this is until... Uh, you know, things um, pick up again and I'll put my time to better use, at least to what I think will be better use. But I promised, I said so many times during the bull market, I promise, I promise, I promise I'll do this stuff. Because uh, there's a lot of people that stream frequently. I just, I don't know how you could stream a lot and 
And uh, I would just feel like I was missing out on opportunities. I, I traded during streams a few times where I would stream late night and not trade, not talk. And I had a notepad on the screen and uh, it was like mildly entertaining, but then there's like really boring sessions where there's nothing going on. But uh, yeah, until I think until after Labor Day, things will be kind of predictable in that they will be, uh, hopefully we have some kind of larger range to carve out, which is, um, I don't have a problem putting out content during them. But if we're back into a rip and roaring bull market, we'll have to go back to uh, limited forms of communication and, and just Twitter shit posting. Um, all right, guys. Until uh, tomorrow, for those of you that hop on tomorrow, for those of you that won't, thanks for tuning in. Always a pleasure. Um, and uh, thank you to the team at Colin. Have a fantastic evening. Don't die out there. Don't lose all your money. That's simply the most important thing that I can tell you to do. Nothing else is more important than that. Adios.